This is Incoming Missile, a MechWarrior Online podcast. Hi, Seven MechWarriors, we are back with your third episode. This is Cozent Indigo, and I'm here with Captain Cat. How are you, Captain? Yeah, good. And you? Very good, very good. Can you believe that we have got three episodes out there already? Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's just, we're just flying through them. We're getting some good views as well, good listens, So and, and great feedback. Love to hear your comments with yeah, it's been really good to read on um, Reddit and, and um, you know, some of those other places, uh, comments on YouTube and stuff like that. So, yeah, thanks, of course, to all those listeners and uh, those uh, viewers, uh, the people that are catching it through YouTube. We really have enjoyed it. Um, today, we're bringing you the third uh, in our uh, four-part series on balance. Uh, and uh, today, uh, we're focusing on the game environment. Um, and as we get to the main topic, we'll uh, talk a little bit about how that affects balance. Uh, we've talked about player skill we then focused on the mix and we're building into another element that we think is pretty important now one thing that we uh, did want to mention right from the outset and hopefully you guys have already seen it uh, but we did release our community resource uh, what we have called the mech register Uh, and yeah we are very much hoping that you will get a chance to go in and fill that out Uh, we're just going to talk a little bit about um, why we have put that together um, and what we're hoping to do with it and this this is this is cousin's baby guys so do get in there and give him the data and it, you know he'll work his magic on it and we'll be able to get some really good insights on on some of these um, mech related balance questions uh we're hoping is that right yeah very much hoping so you know that's the, a fair point i mean really what we're trying to do is uh get the community to tell us what they think about uh mechs we, we've started with just eight mechs um, and what we're really trying to get is um, some gauge of what makes that mech good or bad where its strengths or weaknesses lie um, and what we think that we can do with that data is uh produce a bit of a resource for the community um that people can go to and they can look at uh, reasons why to play the mech what it might be good at um, you know typical builds and all of those kind of things um, and the other thing we want to do with that database is you know be able to present to PGI um, some information about what the community thinks uh, about mechs um, and you know recommend changes or, or give them something that they can uh, look at um, if they are looking to make potential changes to those mechs almost like a petition right like so you know if a thousand people say that the Gina F needs more quirks then uh, you know we can show that to PGI and <laughs> yeah well at least at least lets us make the case um, you know if we can you know provide that information to PGI and say yeah this is what a thousand community members think uh, about that mech um, hopefully that's something that they would um, take on board yeah check out that mech register um, help us uh, build that content and uh, yeah do follow us on twitter to uh, watch for for updates there we'll be releasing some um, sneak peeks um, just to see how things are tracking uh, and uh, once we are ready to um, release some more content or release some of those results uh, we'll post that via twitter so so do check that out so a couple of other points that we wanted to cover off uh, in this uh, introduction. Uh, there's been a recent uh, podcast uh, on Faction Play by NG, NGTV. Um, what do you think about that, Ken? There was some uh, there was some interesting ideas that Paul shared in there. 
I mean, I, it, it, there, there was a lot in there. Um, they're, they're challenging us for podcast length. Yeah. <laughs> they're trying to get the crown. But uh, there, there was some interesting ideas that, that they shared in there. And it's definitely some stuff that I'd love to see come in. And it's good to see them talking about the matchmaker in Faction Play. Uh, I mean, obviously, that's, you know, they're, they're jumping on our bandwagon. Uh, or they're playing, singing, singing from our choir book. You know, that if we improve the matchmaker, then we'll improve the state of the game. So that, that's really good to see, you know, that getting echoed back to us. What did you think? Yeah, look, I enjoyed it. I, I um, Again, I've um, really, really enjoyed the um, faction play event um, that's that's just finished. Um, yeah, me too. And yeah, if we can get more of that, if we can get uh, a, a faction play that's more relevant, um, that tells a story, um, that's more engaging, because the, the modes themselves I think are quite fun and, and I think everyone enjoys taking uh, four mechs out and building drop decks. Faction, faction play has a lot going mm. for it um, and you know, it does come with some challenges. But um, yeah, if they can make it a more attractive prospect, um, then I think it's mm. good. So yeah, let's let's hope um, they do deliver on, on a lot of that stuff that um, Paul had mentioned. And speaking of things that that seem to be pretty good and pretty positive, uh, the PTS two point one is uh, was over the weekend. Um, that focused on some mm. new changes and a whole raft of uh, mobility changes. Cat, uh, did you get a chance to get on there and give it a test? I did indeed, and uh, props for, straight off the bat, props to PGI for offering some really good rewards there, 36,000 GXP, and I think, you know, uh, 2.1 million Seabills. Oh, yeah, that, that's that, I know that got a lot of people in my unit interested in, you know, going to the trouble of downloading and installing the PTS. So, yeah, again, big ups to PGI for um, upping their game there. Um, and then the changes themselves... Yeah, I mean, clearly they're uh, making an active attempt to listen to the kind of feedback that the, the community is giving them. So good work there. And also, I th- you know, in playing the changes, I think they played really well. Um, the, there's, you know, it's a, it's a PTS and there's, you know, going to be some outlier scenarios where it's not, you know, changing basically changing a couple of values in the game isn't going to solve all our problems and it's Gonna, we know we've talked about balance enough to know that it's going to cause some knock-on effects. But on the whole, I think um, the idea of having a reduced heat cap and increased dissipation, uh, there's so many mechs that are improved by it. You know, Pretty much across the board, lights with medium lasers and yeah, medium lasers are improved. They can attack more. Um, and that's what you want to be able to do in a light. You want to have a dynamic gameplay where you're running around attacking stuff, not just hiding somewhere. Um, and even, I mean, I've, I've had a look through some of the feedback um, that they're getting, and, and I see people saying, hey, you know, clan laser vomit is still good in this thing. That's what we want, guys. We want clan laser vomit to still be viable. We just want to bring all the other stuff up with it so that you can have a really good paper, scissors rock where you've got, you know, a ton of different viable gameplay strategies that you can that can all get in there. You know, Brawling's good with the mobility. The Atlas it twists really nice. Um, you know, there's a, there's a ton of good improvements there. Um, and just being able to dissipate that heat faster makes so many mechs better. Like, it, uh, I played a, a Gena 2C with, with missiles, and I found I could just being able to attack more made the gameplay so much more dynamic. Um, you know, I could 
even though I was hitting that heat cap faster. So, um, so it's almost like my burst DPS is down because, you know, I go out there in a Howlbringer and I can't alpha twice or, you know, even three times with a cool shot. But I can dissipate heat really fast and alpha again quite soon. So over time, the DPS goes up. So your burst DPS down, but your sustained DPS is up. And that just makes the gameplay way more dynamic throughout. It makes it much more aggressive and attacky environment, much less stagnant, you know, shoot, hide, shoot, hide kind of gameplay that we see now. Um, and, it, you know, when when the counters are strong, it doesn't really matter that laser vomit's strong as well. Yeah, look, I, I agree. And I think um, I played the Kraken quite a bit and enjoyed the mobility. And I, I think heat, um, the heat changes in the mobility, you know, the tides that will right, that will make all boats rise. You know, it's a, it's a positive move. I hope that they go with it. Um, it would be nice, as you say, to to bring some um, some dynamic gameplay back and, and you know give options and, and viability to, to some builds that um, and mechs that probably desperately need it. So yeah, get on uh, the forums uh, and hopefully you did get a chance to play and um, get on the forums and, and give your feedback to PGI on that one. Right, so it's time for fan questions uh, and shout out to Sergeant Cuervo305 who has sent us through our first one. I'm going to throw this at uh, Captain Cat very shortly and uh, get an answer from him, uh, but please do send us in your fan questions. Uh, feel free to ask us anything about the game, or about the podcast, or about us. And and have we got something for Sergeant Cuervo for giving us a question? I think we can dig into the uh, incoming missile uh war chest uh, and send something your way so uh, keep an eye out for uh, uh, the DM's uh, Sergeant Cuervo because yeah I think we can uh, send something uh, your way as a thank you right Captain Cat um, Sergeant Cuervo 305 asks um, how can a tier 3 player that is plateaued and is having trouble advancing get to the next tier yeah it's a really good question join a unit uh, playing with other people getting feedback from other play- people getting in lobbies with people Training with people is a is the best way to advance really quickly. Build on what people other people have already learned. You know, learn from their mistakes. Um, you know, get some skills training from people. That's the number one like speed advancement thing uh, that I can suggest to you. If you're more if you're more of a solo player, then the number one piece of advice that I can give you is to self critique, and that is. When you finish a game, win or loss, try to remember to think about how that game went down, the decisions you made, and whether you might do something differently next time. And it's especially useful on a loss, but it's important on a win as well to think, reflect on why you think you won, and or you know, conversely, why you think you lost, and potentially how you could have done it differently next time. I mean, I think it's, I think it can be really tempting to just blame your team. Um, but yeah, it's you know at some point you got to you got to think about even with a bad team, how could you have done it better? And another thing you can do is is you know once you die, jump into spectate mode, watch other people play, you know, especially you know reflect on how they're doing, uh, and look at their score at the at the end of the thing and see how they did. You know, you get those numbers; they're a good rough guide to see how people are doing. So thanks uh, again, Sergeant Guevara, for that question. And uh, yeah, please do send us in some more and uh, we'll, we'll get Cat uh, on the job. 
All right, so uh, buckle in your cockpits, mech warriors. We are about to uh, get into the main topic, uh, and that's we're going to be covering off uh, the third key aspect of balance, uh, which is the game environment. So hope you enjoy the conversation. Once again, we always want to hear from you, so uh, do send us in your feedback. Otherwise, uh, good hunting. All right, let's crack into it. All right, welcome back everyone, and uh, welcome to the third episode in our series about balance. Uh, today we are going to focus on the game environment. Uh, so we've talked in our first episode uh, about the pilot, the player skill. Uh, we've talked about uh, the mechs in our second episode. Uh, and so in our third episode we're focusing on the environment that those mechs uh, operate in. Let's be clear about what we're talking about when we talk about the environment. You're talking about uh, hugging trees and stuff? So we're talking about a few things. I mean, when we're referring to the environment, um, it is what the um, the mechs and the pilots are placed in to operate. Um, you know, the pilot is controlling the mech and the mech comes with uh, certain abilities. Um, but the environment is referring to um, the map um, that you might be placed on. Uh, it's referring to the game mode uh, that might be uh, associated with that map. Um, and those are the, the environmental factors that will you know, be relevant in how you perform. You know, the, I guess we're almost into the hundreds of ways that um, of, of balance uh, elements that come into those two things. But, and yet the, the environment can, can still play a massive role in, in how, those, how the pilot and the mech perform. Yeah, exactly right. I mean, we're almost building up a hierarchy here in that it does start with the pilot in the cockpit. Um, they're operating a big stompy robot, which is mm. the mech, and that mech will do different things. Uh, but the pilot and the mech are then uh, dumped in a dropship somewhere. Right. So the classic example would be you, you're in a, a mech that's a really strong brawler mech, but oh no, I'm on polar highlands. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly right. So, yeah, we've talked about maps, um, obviously, and they're a big one that we'll discuss. We've talked, uh, we've mentioned game modes, uh, and obviously maps and game modes uh, go hand in hand. Um, but, of course, a, a couple of other things that are really important to the environment in MechWarrior uh, is that you drop with other mechs. So uh, it is a team game, uh, and the fact that you work as a team and that teamwork is so important is really, really crucial um, to the MechWarrior environment. Uh, and of course the last thing is that the uh, maps, mechs and the way that you play um, is incentivized so uh, you earn bills for certain types of behaviours, uh, PGI will run events that will ask you to do certain things so that introduces some other uh, environmental factors that will dictate kind of the way that you behave and, and the way that you perform. Lumageddon again. Is that right? Like you're sort of saying about how an event might have, you know, a missile criteria and that is, that is, it causes everybody to suddenly bring missiles and it's the limb again. Exactly right. And if you're that brawler on Polar Highlands that you talked about before, yeah, obviously. And, and look, the reason that environment is so important is that at the end of the day, what we are talking about in these discussions is what your performance will look like. Uh, and as I said, we're building up that hierarchy. There'll be your player skill that you, you know, you'll be um, a certain uh, level of skill at the game. You'll be in a certain mech and that mech will have certain capacities, builds, loadouts, you know, and that will allow you to apply your skill. Uh, but when you combine the, pl the pilot and 
the mech, they then operate in an environment and that environment will be both the map that you're dropped on and the objectives of that map. Uh, you will have to work with a certain number of teammates uh, and then of course, you know, there'll be certain behaviours that you'll need to engage in um, that are incentivized either through inventing, uh, through um, eventing uh, or through, you know, the ways that you want to earn Z-Bills. Right. So if we take all that into account, uh, environment alone uh, is adding in a, a whole other raft of factors. Um, and if we take the maps and modes, just as an example, if we take 16 different maps for quick play or group play and six different potential modes, um, look, there's 96 distinct wow. situations that the pilot and the mech could end up in. And you've got to be prepared for them all with no notice <laughs> a lot of the time. That's right, and if you're in the Atlas and you're set up to brawl and it does land on uh, Polar Highlands, um, then suddenly you know, you've know you picked one of those 96 distinct situations just in map and mode, uh, and suddenly it's going to you know make a massive difference for how you're likely going to perform. Right, yeah, yeah. Taking those things into account, get around maps, modes, your teammates, um, and the fact that PGI is incentivizing you to behave in certain ways. How do you think that influences balance? Yeah, well, I mean, we've all... We've, we can all empathise with the situation we've mentioned, you know, having ex-mech on Polar Highlands, whether that be, the, um, you know, the, the slow brawling assault or whether that be an LRM boat and, you know, you've got a, your narc raven ready to go and, you know, you're set perfectly. Um, but let's take it from the, the top. The first part of, uh, of it is, is where the player chooses what area of the game they're going to go into, whether that is quick play or faction play or Solaris or, you know, anything else that you can think of. So quick play, you go in kind of blind, right? You, you, you get to have a little bit of a say in the map, but then once the map's chosen, that's it. You've got to make the best of it. Faction play, you know what map you're going to be on and you can choose your mechs accordingly. And Solaris, you, you, you can kind of say that you're going to be able to do certain things you can kind of guarantee if you if you need a long range map you should be able to guarantee that you'll get some sort of long range map in there if you need a brawling map well you, you can make the best of some so of the maps says map banning. yeah yeah exactly but you can you can kind of always get a long range map in solaris is where that kind of falls apart a bit um but then you know the the jungle one is you know you can brawl on that one okay um and then, you know, some of the other ones you might be able to make the best of. But anyway, um, so just coming back to the one where you get the least say, and that's quick play, because I think it makes sense to me to take it from that map mode selection screen. And, um, it, and it is a map mode combo. Like, you know, some maps don't work on certain modes or they're not as good on certain modes. Um, yeah, and 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 so I like to call it a map mode, like you know a hyphenated word, uh, where it's like yeah. one idea that you're going into this map mode, um, and I think um, there's a few things that actually go into the that selection screen that that uh, define the outcomes that people find them uh, of the environment that people find themselves in, um, and that is for a start. People kind of, well, some people, not everyone, but some people treat that as a mini game where they're trying to always maximize their multiplier. Um, and so they're, <laughs> they're, if they if they look at the 
map selection and they see one map that they think is, you know, sort of really likely to get selected, they won't choose it. They'll choose another one that they think is really unlikely to get selected. And that's the situation where you can find yourself an escort on, you know, on Grim Plexus or whatever. Polar Highlands. <laughs> Polar Highlands. Oh, God. Do we have to keep mentioning that? I'm getting, I'm getting post-traumatic. <laughs> it's a thing here, <laughs> I'm going to start rocking. <laughs> Flashbacks. Um, but, yeah, the, <laughs> so that that's where you find yourself in these really weird scenarios, and I think, and and – and and you're like, who voted for this? Well, someone with their ten times voter multiplier voted for that, and unfortunately, you know, through the random, you know, some people chose that, and and a couple of people with big multipliers chose that, and well, you get your wish, you get to go to uh, Polar Highlands Escort. Um, yeah. <laughs> if, if you're wanting to play, if you're wanting to play in, um, you know, a loom boat or ATMs, then you're going to want those maps with with a bit of distance. So that's why you're saving up your multiplier for the one time that you're playing that mech, so that you can, you know, do a lot of damage. Exactly right. You, yeah, you, and you can see that happening when suddenly, you know, people dump their big multiplier on on onto a certain map, and it'll just swing really fast. Um, and that that's that's the second aspect of it. So the the first one is sort of the mini gaming way that it can be affected and the second one is the i guess you just call it optimizing which which we should all be doing where you're looking at the maps and say there's polar highlands there and you're in a brawler so you don't want polar highlands and then you're looking at the other three and going well, which of these is the most likely to be where people are dropping their votes because i want to vote for that one too so we can beat polar highlands right and so so but that Again, they're optimizing that game that people play, where they're trying to predict what people, other people will choose, affects the outcome. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so already you've you've highlighted uh, an environmental factor um, that's going to influence the way that people are going to perform. For example, people are always going to be biased towards the map that's going to suit their mech and their playstyle. Exactly right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there's one more thing as well, which some people might not think about, which is that um, how the the mode selection half of the screen and the map selection half of the screen affect each other. And it seems like that the mode selection one is the first thing that the server selects when it's um, picking what to show you out of those, you know, seemingly random selection of of modes and seemingly random selection of maps it seems like it selects the mode first and then of course if escort is there in those modes then the maps that you see will only be maps that have escort in them right so logically we should we should be able to assume that mode goes first because if you chose maps first then well i guess you could choose the maps first but then and then only have the modes available to those maps but it would be easier to code it where you choose the modes first and then you have maps available in those modes like if you get if you do um escort or incursion canyon isn't going to be there let's say um or um hpg won't be there for um escort so um that can really affect um the, it seems to affect the frequency that those um, maps pop up in. So Canyon seems to come up a bit less because it doesn't have those other modes available. Is that is that your impression? Just to check. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and you know, I I call that um, Darwinism for for Mech Warrior. So you know, there's there is an, a natural selection 
um, that happens here because oh, nice. I as like you that. say, you know, automatically, um, if it's picking the, the mode first, that means you're only going to be presented certain maps, and that may mean that you know certain maps don't uh, pop up you know as as often as others and you know in the greater scheme of things when we're talking about the way that mechwarriors perform um if what it should be around the environment is that it should average out right on average you should be playing um certain maps and the same the maps and the modes um an equal number of times and that means that if you're taking out a an atlas brawler then sometimes you're going to get stuck on polar highlands so you're not going to go so well but then sometimes you're going to end up on mining collective um and you know you're going to be able to perform really well because it's going to be a brawl situation what if you're in what if you're in an atlas with lrms Wow, then you win on any map mode. I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> but if you are, um, if there is that kind of selection bias that you've talked about straight away, so if only certain maps appear when certain modes, if people are playing that mini game, that they are trying to influence which what map or mode gets picked, which of course they are, um, because you know you you want it to favour your your build, then you're going to get a selection bias and it means that you are not going to get that equal share of maps to play and here's why it's so important around balancing decisions and here's why it is a factor that we need to consider because the current meta the dominant strategy that is there at the moment and let's say for argument's sake it's uh, clan laser vomit then people are going to be playing that more often therefore they're going to be trying to select the maps that suit that and that might be cooler maps, um, you know, who knows. And let, or let's say Lerms become the meta, then suddenly you're going to see Polar Highlands or Grimplexus, all those open maps with less cover, you're going to see that cropping up automatically. Mm. And if we are then making balanced decisions based on, you know, the damage outputs or how Lerms are performing or how Brawling's performing, we need to take into account the context in which those things are operating. And again, if they're not getting an equal share of the maps or the modes, then the, the output for those map, uh, for those uh, systems aren't going to look the same. Same with mix. Yeah. So what you, so what you're suggesting, and I want to be clear, what you're suggesting is uh, that it should be this way. That um, if a map is chosen uh, a lot, it should be reduced in the n- amount of frequency that it pops up. Like exactly. if it's you know. If it's just if it's just created a server of five servers that have polar highlands, well then the next options that it uh, shows the next group of people queuing up won't be polar highlands. Exactly. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, maps should have cooldown. So you know, once right. once they're featured, then they shouldn't be featured until X number of games, um, you know, on the server. And look, to give you a concrete example, I think probably a lot of our listeners might remember the um, world champs that were dominated by Canyon Network. So there's there's an mm. absolute perfect example of that selection bias in operation. Those teams had practiced on those maps, um, and the map banning situation allowed them to you know control that so that they picked it up every time. And obviously, you know, you you're the average mech warrior is not, um, you know, everyone's not working together to select maps, but those patterns will emerge naturally dependent on what the current meta is. And, you know, environment is something that's subject to that because there is this kind of map and mode selection process. I guess I agree with you, and I think that's a really good idea, and I'd love to see that happening. I see a possible pitfall in that, which is that um, people might, be not selecting a map mode, or or even just select not selecting a map because they consider it to be not good or broken or or whatever. So, um, a, a a a system that um, gives a preferential um, 
bias towards those maps would kind of I, I feel like it should have some even if it's it should just be popping up as an option more often let's say and then people can still choose not to take it yeah yeah look I think so I mean it, it, it's hard with the map mode selection because people are always going to look for the exploits right that's the kind of nature of gaming is that you're always going to look in the way um, that's going to benefit you and, and technically there's nothing wrong with that so um, you know mm. although you might want some changes to, to maps and modes whatever those changes are um, the point around understanding the the Darwinism of, of MechWarrior is that when you're looking at people's stats and when you're looking at their performance outputs because these are the kind of things that you're taking into account when you're making balanced decisions, right? When you're looking at those outputs, you have to consider the context of what build were, were they in, what was the player skill, and what environment was that, um, what was it operating in? And I might be a really yeah. good player, but if I go out to, onto Polar Highlands in my Atlas uh, and I'm taking my my brawl loadout rather than my loom roll, um, rollout, you know, <laughs> I'm probably not going to perform as well. And... You know, if if I'm not playing Polar Highlands as uh, often, or if I'm playing it more often than other map modes, it's not going to average out. My performance is not going to average out. So that's why you you know you have to wrap that stuff in when you're looking at um, how weapon systems or, or things like that are performing. Yeah, it may, it makes perfect sense, and 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 I I guess ideally what you want is as we've talked about in pre- previous episodes is a bit of a paper scissors rock thing, where you know the long range meta is pulling against the brawl meta and so that's also you know pull uh, sort of almost a tug of war against the map selection screen and that you know hopefully that that controls a little bit of the of of what is selected there as well if you've got good balance in your papers as rock then you should also get be getting pretty good balance in your map selection um from the outset exactly right and then you just have that control in place that you discussed where where it you know maybe offers you those maps that aren't coming up as often and 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 even if it's not a good map or um you know even if it's not the best map in the game then uh, uh, i mean canyon network in the world championships is a good example um where it's it's a really good map but you still get sick of it eventually playing the same thing and and even playing on a sub standard map will is, is a kind of a relief after a while yeah any any changes um is good yeah look it's exactly right and if you can you know the first thing that they should be doing is ensuring that um you know people are getting exposed to to the maps um equally you know to avoid um the meta being able to shift you know what maps are featuring more often um obviously you would also want balanced maps um and you know th- that, you know that that helps um, because you know if the maps are balanced, that means that um, certain playstyles don't become the dominant meta. Um, but even if that's not the case, you know you can you know you can control for that. You can allow people to, on average, be exposed to each of those different situations. Um, you know by by making some adjustments in in that mini game or the way that maps are selected. Oh, we should dig in a little bit deeper on what it means when we talk about a balanced map, right? You got a you got a, a map in mind when you think of a map that's not balanced. Well, I you know there there is a map that we haven't really mentioned though thus far, and that's Polar Highlands. Um, yeah, look, Polar's maybe one of those ones that yeah it it maybe does cop a cop a little bit of a rough um, rough reputation, and I think part of that is that it um, potentially encourages playstyles 
that people aren't that much of a fan of. Um, but Polar's one of those ones that, you know, say if it's Conquest on Polar, that can give it a completely different dynamic, um, you know, when, when mm. they spread out a little bit. But, um, yeah, Polar is maybe an example where maybe some small tweaks, the addition of, of um, some better cover, um, some deeper trenches, um, some ways to approach the enemy undercover. Um, I think about the, uh, what was that map on Battlefront, the... the um, the snow map that that you played, Hoth. yeah, and and you know that had those trenches that you know unless the people kind of came out of it, um, you you couldn't shoot them where you had to find the angle, um, you know, Polar would benefit from mm. something like that, but and it almost has those trenches as well. They just need to be sort of, you know, fifty percent deeper. And it's it's interesting that you brought up Polar Highlands because I was kind of thinking about map balance in a completely different way, but you're completely right. Polar Highlands is an unbalanced map with regards to whatever play style you've brought. So in 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 particular, for quick play, Polar Highlands can be quite unbalanced for the, some of the people in the team. But just to flip it on its head and to, to discuss the way that I'm in an unbalanced map, I was thinking of like uh, my premium examples, uh, Crimson Strait on Conquest. Now mm-hmm. that map is, if you're on one team, it's a hell of a lot harder than if you're on the other. Um, if you're in the team that starts uh, on the city side, um, it's really hard for you. You can usually get theta before they get to it, but it's really hard for you to hold it. Um, you're usually getting theta in the face of a whole team charging you. The other team that starts in the water gets the island for free. Um, and they can from the island, they can control uh, four caps pretty much uh so so when you're playing conquest especially in comp it's it's really rough to get that that bad team and it's it's kind of you know you have to fuck it up to to lose as on the from what from the other side and i guess i guess there's there's something fun about you know going against the odds and and winning anyway even though you know coming up with this i mean we did it we we came up with a strategy and it uh, it was really rewarding to go you know as the bad team and carry out a strategy that really worked out well for us um and it was it was rewarding but those are going to be the exceptions most time you're going to get stomped and you're going to be salty yeah 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 but but what you've highlighted of course is that um not only the construction of the map so kind of the physical geometry of the map will influence um about how balanced it is but where the placement of the objectives are what what um you know where the circle is uh, for domination or whether where the capture points are for conquest so you add just a another aspect to what makes a map balanced and therefore how you might perform depending on what build you've got I mean, what do you think PGI should do about it? I mean, you know, it, it, obviously it's pretty important and I think everyone would, everyone, you haven't played the game if you haven't experienced the frustration of, of getting, uh, taking the wrong mech to the wrong map or the wrong mode. Um, you know, what do you think are some things that PGI could do about that that start? You've clicked the button, you've got in a game, that process there. So um, one, one, one example that you've already given is, uh, uh, and I think it's a really good suggestion, um, which I hadn't really heard of before, which is, you know, making sure that those um, maps are, as much as possible come up um, with a similar kind of frequency. So even if you are getting screwed by being on the wrong map, one time you'll have a higher chance of getting the map that suits you another time. Although by then you probably would have switched to your long range, whatever, <laughs> from your brawl. But anyway, uh, so that would go some way towards fixing the thing. The other thing is, um, I think, you know, we touched upon it that um, faction play in Solaris 
um, are quite quite rewarding in that you get to see the map and choose your mech at the same time. Or, or you know, for faction play, you do for Solaris, you get to have a map ban, so it's a, a, you get to you know at least hopefully nudge it towards where you want it to be. Um, how to bring that into quick play? I'm not exactly sure. I mean, that's quite a that would be quite a challenge to have, you know, 24 people coming into a game and um, showing them a map and letting them switch mechs and things when you don't have any respawns. Because at least, you know, with faction play, you can you can respawn if if your brawl mech your brawl mech's not such a liability because. Um, you know, even if your brawl push doesn't work out so well, you can respawn in, in, in whatever other mech you've brought. So, yeah, I'm not... Do you have any ideas for how to fix yeah, that one? Yeah, I mean, the, the one idea that I had was around, you know, selecting your mech after the map um, or mode is selected. I guess the other thing, you talked about Faction Pay and Solaris being a little bit more successful, I think, because you can either uh, map ban and have some element of control. That's not going to work in quick play with, with 24 potentially um, unconnected players. Um but faction play is, is successful, I think, because, yeah, you, you do. You get to select a deck um, or, or mm. mechs uh, depending on both the mode, which you know, and the map that you know. Yep. And, yeah, there's the respawns there. But, you know, yeah, that would be if there was some way to bring that into quick play, I think that you would, you know, people would enjoy it far more particularly if you started to add the cooldowns to maps and you're getting, you know, different maps uh, equally. Another idea, uh, which kind of is around the same thing, is maybe have, if you had more dynamic um, objective locations and starting points. So if there was like sort of, you know, you could start A, B or C um, starting locations and the other team, obviously the same A, B or C starting location and then the objective could be an A, B or C, you know, configuration and whether that's conquest or domination or assault or whatever and that would just go some way to mitigate you know maybe one of those locations isn't so great like location a is is not quite balanced but then next time you play it hopefully you're going to get b or c yeah that's nice i like the idea of that and then you know it, would, it also would just keep it fresh when you're not going you know ah, oh, here we go we start in this place objectives there we all know what to do we all know what everybody else is going to do but let's just go out there and you know, rotate to the right because <laughs> um, that's what's going to happen every time on a on a park game. Which is a nice um, segue uh, into the the next thing that I want to cover around the environment, uh, the rotating right, and um, you know, start your engines. The NASCAR is beginning. Teamwork, obviously. Uh, we've dropped in our in our match. Uh, we've gone through the the um, map make the the map mode selection process. Um, the maps have various qualities. The modes have various qualities that affect balance. Uh, and now we have our uh, eleven teammates that we um, need to work with. I mean, how do you feel that that influences your games? Do you, do you think that's a big big part of it? I mean, MechWarrior is a obviously. A, Teamwork is a massive power in MechWarrior and it's a love-hate relationship I think for most MechWarriors, for, for me in particular. Um, we're lucky that we get to drop with, with a group pretty regularly and that's always fun. Um, but you know, when you find those times that you do get to work, uh, and I play more pug games than you, you know, when you get those moments where someone takes the lead or you, know, you, you happen to um, work as a team, it is really rewarding. Mm. Equally, it's frustrating when you, when you say, 
oh, look, guys, we need to, you know, we need to get this location because otherwise that's going to happen. Um, and, you know, nobody listens to you. <laughs> then that thing happens. So and Exactly right. So it's, it's, a, it's a classic situation that things don't go the way you'd want them to go. And, you know, teamwork is a part of that. You get left behind as an assault or, or you know, you're making calls and people aren't following them or other people are making calls and you aren't following them. Teamwork has a massive impact on the way that you would perform. So as the data nerd uh, of the podcast and speaking about balance, Teamwork, of course, becomes another lens in which you should view how someone has performed. So if we're going to make balanced decisions, if we're going to decide whether clan lasers are OP or mobility needs to be improved or anything like that, then we would have to have a good understanding about people's performance based on teamwork. And if we're not doing that, if we're looking at damage outputs, if we're looking at numbers and we're looking at certain mechs and the way they're performed, if we are not looking at the context of the team, then we're really, really not getting a good picture as to you know how that person, how good that person is, or how good that mech is. Yeah, I mean your your uh, your tagline for for this balance discussion really is, you know, that you can't balance with bad data, right? And whether that is, you know, the first first podcast we talked about good matchmaker, second podcast we talked about mech balance, and, and this one we're talking about you know, how, how the environment affects that data. Well, you know, if you're not controlling, I guess, uh, um, sorry, forgive me. I'm trying to understand what you're saying by basically repeating you. <laughs> but uh, if you're not controlling for those um, criteria, then the data that you're getting is is kind of worthless or is at least skewed. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly the way to put it. You know, if you're not controlling for that, um, if you are not waiting or or, or um, understanding the outputs that you're getting dependent on teamwork. And look, if you looked at match scores um, and performance in group Q versus um, faction play um, versus um, quick play, you know, obviously there'll be some discernible differences there. And yeah, you know, the, the rate at which a team works together successfully will be strongly correlated to what those um, outputs are and you know obviously you need to understand that whenever you're looking at um you know how good clean lasers are going or, or anything else like that but how would you like what sort of metrics could you actually look at to to define how good someone is at teamwork yeah yeah well that's the tricky one and without kind of looking at the kind of things that um that uh, pgi monitor data wise um i couldn't say but you you know the, the first place to start would be to talk to people that know the game so um talk to them about what behaviors um they would expect or they would normally see that would indicate good teamwork and you know to spitball for example you might find that um the more that VoIP is used, um, the better teamwork is. You know, particularly if it's from the point of of um, first engagement. Well, there might be a there might be a strong correlation. There might be a better way to put that because somebody so it could be just someone who, you know, talks a lot <laughs> and actually un- actively undermines the. Maybe how about how about you could do it so it was um, how much they use VoIP and as a factor of how much it ties to how often they win. So if that if if that person uses VoIP more and they win more, well then you can hopefully uh, extrapolate that because they're using VoIP they're winning. 
and then you know help helping the team out with the calls that they're making. <laughs> Whereas some other people might use VoIP more, and it might make them lose more. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and it would be looking at a, at a range of data across a whole lot of situations, and say, um, you know, if we measure the amount of VoIP between the point of first contact and the point of last contact, because you know, in my experience, a lot of the um, shit talking happens before and after. Um, mm. But you know, again, there's. I definitely think that there would be ways that you could um, get an idea of what behaviours uh, indicate um, good teamwork or at least lean that way and whether it's even stuff like uh, protection proximities or spotting spotting targets yeah protected mediums all these kind of things that they set up um, I'm sure that you'd be able to talk to people in the know um, and, and you know get a base of uh, what do we think are good behaviours uh, and demonstrate that teamwork is happening um, you know, with anything, you would, uh, you know, suggest these things, then you'd look at some data and you would see whether it's kind of confirming the hypothesis um, that you've put across, you know, so it would be something that you would iterate. But I guess mm. generally the point that I'm making is that if if that isn't there, if there isn't um, some way to be able to judge um, the, the amount of teamwork, you're assuming that it's going to average out over time. And I think mm. that that's pretty dangerous. I think it's, um, you know, it's something that is so unpredictable um, that to assume that it's going to average out over time and therefore your numbers and your performance numbers um, you know, aren't particularly influenced by teamwork because you're going to get equal amounts of good teamwork and bad teamwork, you know, that, that would make me a little bit nervous. So um, mm. we know how important it is, but when, we, when we're making balanced decisions and when we're looking at the outputs and performance of certain weapon systems or certain mechs, you know, are we considering that environment, um, that teamwork environment that they're placed in and we're getting those numbers from? The other, the other one is perhaps um, that it would be really important that those teamwork metrics might not work so well uh, in group queue where, you know, potentially I know that if I play with the same, you know, five guys every night, we're going to do a lot better. And my win-loss ratio on Gal's list is going to go up. I think we've talked about that before. Yeah. Um, and so that's, you know, if you were, say, trying to measure teamwork in that scenario, well, I probably wouldn't be talking on VoIP at all for a start. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but, but also the, the way we work together as a team is, is, is more to do with the fact that we're, you know, sitting together in Discord and we're a bunch of mates who know how each other act and all that kind of stuff. Whereas... I guess the st kind of stuff you're talking about is really about pug Q, right? Exactly. I mean, group Q, group Q would be my baseline. So if I'm assuming mm. a metric for teamwork, um, and and I'm you know affecting people's, I'm I'm adjusting or weighting people's um, outputs based on whether it was good or, or bad teamwork, then I'd be looking at count. You know, group Q would be my counterfactual. That would be the thing that I would compare it against to see whether it confirms or denies you know, that I'm looking in the right area because group Q, you have to assume that people are working together. And whilst they may not be working together, um, you know, you might have a six man, a four man and, and a two man, um, you know, you would expect that people are in group Q because they are more willing to work together as a team. So yeah, you know, it, it can yeah. work. Or, or more willing to like shoot each other in the back and give each other shit. Yeah, shoot, shoot each other's <laughs> bolt-ons off and cool stuff like that. Who would do such a thing? Yeah, no, no idea, no idea. <laughs> Tag, tag lasers, guys. Tag lasers shoot off bolt-ons. Yeah, I've got a trickier question for you because you are the person that shoots off bolt-ons. Um, look, what 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 is a 
if we were to give PGI recommendations beyond developing a, um, a a metric up that at least allows you to weight scores based on the amount of teamwork that you see, is there ways that you, th- that you are there other ways that you think that PGI could improve teamwork? It's a tricky one. It really is. It really is. I mean the the um, the commander thing. Some people pick it up. You know, it's very very seldom that you see people pick it up and and use orders. It's quite clunky. Um, I generally try to avoid it. I mean, you know, one of, actually one of the main reasons why I avoid picking up the commander thing is that it changes the location of, of where spot target is or where all the, you know, command wheel stuff is. If those command wheel things were still in the same place and I could still just muscle memory spot target and yes, no, all that kind of stuff, then I might take it more often. But because it actually, you know, when it puts in all the, um, you know, move to this location, all those kind of things, it shifts it all around, then, it, yeah, it's just frustrating to use. Um, so that would be one one area where you could, you know, uh, maybe just have a little bit of a quality of life improvement in the um, Lance Commander uh, and the Commander um, roles and, and how that command wheel works. Um, it, it, is, it is really a tricky one. Um, yeah, I tell you what, let's let's throw that one out there, Captain, to our listeners. Um, please, yeah. please. Oh, that's such a great yeah, idea. Send us in some suggestions about ways that you think that PGI could um, improve or encourage teamwork. We we're about to cover mm-hmm. kind of the the last area that that we want around um, incentivizing. Um, behaviours um, so whether they're along those lines or whether they are um, like Captain's just mentioned they're making it easier to you know take command and, and issue orders but yeah send us something in because even we think that it's a, a bit of a tricky one and 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 so if you want if, if you if you think you've got a good idea and you want to put it out there if you want to get it out there and in front of people then uh, send it to us and we'll and we'll talk about it and, uh, and you know or, 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 or just reply to you Um. And just before we get to those um, incentivizing mm-hmm. things, if I could come back, come back to a couple yeah. of things. Um, and one thing that I wanted to talk about, because it is, we kind of touched on it, but how we, I talked about pub strats or pug strats. Um, and what that means is there's kind of an established meta for, uh, for each map, how to play a map. Especially within solo queue, um, and you see it when a new map comes out. Especially, people don't know how to play it, and it, it often uh, comes out as frustration or annoyance at the map. The map's shit, or um, it's not balanced, or whatever, because people haven't worked out the safe ways or. Uh, to play it, or the you know the good locations to take, or those kind mm. of things. And so there's kind of there's some positives to a pub strat, and that is that you know you work out if I go into this location and sit there, I'm probably going to get wrecked because you know I, I can be shot from 360 degrees. And so those kind of areas, people hopefully learn that those kind of areas aren't great. And so you try and you know grab bits of ground at a uh, you know good locations. Let's say the stage on Tourmaline, you know, is a is a nice location that you try and grab. Um, or the the wings on HPG, you know, the, there's a sort of outrigger uh, with yeah. the ramps. Try and grab those, some of those ramps. They're really nice locations. Um, it, there's there's a ton of examples. You guys can think of more. But because 
the, there's negatives to it as well, which is that the play can become very predictable. And that's where you see, you know, these kind of NASCARs and rotations happening. Uh, Canyon's a great one for it, where everybody sort of rushes to the middle and around those, you know, the theta position, the two pillars, and then starts sniping right <laughs> um, or, or peaking right. And that pushes the people away in the opposite direction. So already half the team is um, peaking and, and, and uh, sniping on the right side. And then the enemy team is peaking and sniping on the right side, which pushes people away from that yeah. corner. So, the, you know, the friendly team gets pushed away from that corner and that just it just pushes the whole thing into a potato tornado. And, and the, those kind of situations can be very frustrating. But that can really affect the balance of, you know, the environment of the game that, that people are going in with a sort of an idea in their head of how they're going to play it. Yeah, yeah, that makes perfect sense. People, I mean, I do it obviously as the as as a bit of a pug. Um, you want to know where to go, um, particularly if there's not teamwork happening in in those strats. That and you should, you should, you should have expectations about how the game is going to be played, or you know, a sort of a what do you call it, like a preset in a your brain of if this happens, then this might happen. Yeah, that's that's the perfect term. That's the one I was searching for. So, yeah, you want to elaborate on what that means? Well, I mean, it's a framework, basically. It's a, it's a thought framework to say, um, you know, when this occurs, you know, here's the, here's the path that I need to follow. Here's the framework that I'm going to follow um, to, to get a certain result. So it's a structured way of thinking, um, for, for lack of a better explanation. But um, positioning, obviously, is, is so important in MechWarrior, you know, that um, it is a team game and you can get mm. wrecked so quickly. So you almost need those heuristics, you need those patterns to follow so that you can make sure that you're getting good positioning. But of course, yeah, as you say, the, the risk to that is that, yeah, yeah the, the engines start to rev and the, the tornado starts to spin and, mm. yeah. It doesn't matter how good your position is if everybody else is running yeah. away from you, you, your position starts to look pretty tenuous quite quickly. All right, man, the, the last one that I did want to cover off um, and the phrase that I give this because I love my phrases is uh, that people treasure what you measure. So the game involves uh, mm -hmm. an incentive system. You know, you earn in-game currency uh, that you use for various things um, and these behaviors that you can engage in to earn that. Um, and to add to that, PGI do a, a lot of eventing. Um, you know, they give you tasks to carry out um, and, you know, you, you earn rewards based on that. That becomes another big factor in regards to balance, in regards to the way people will perform, because I've seen it, and I'm sure that you've seen it, Kat, where people will either not play an objective when they should play an objective or chase an event when there are rewards on offer um, and games can kind of get wrecked or tanked um, because that incentive structure um, has, you know, maybe led pe people down the wrong path. Mm. Or they're just getting in there to get the reward no matter what the cost and then they're, you know. Exactly. And, and that goes from the extreme of people maybe, I mean, I was in a game the other day playing scouting and, you know, it looked like the guy was a bot you know, he didn't, um, you know, he, he sat kind of AFK for ages. And then uh, once we died, he was the last guy left and he was just making kind of all these random things and then it shut down. Um, so you get that extreme through to, you know, people that are 
desperately trying to play the objective and and you know trying to play the map and mode the way that it is um but maybe get killed because no one else is trying to play the objective i mean you know how how does pj mm. it's a that one is really really delicate but how do you get a good um structure where you are incentivizing the right behaviors and you are keeping up the excitement through events yeah, and I think uh, throughout the years, PGI have um, learned through some trial and error um, the kind of events that work and the kind of uh, sort of knock-on consequences they can have from setting an objective in a certain way. And it, certainly it, the the kind of events that we get now are a vast improvement on some of the ones we've had in the past, which can be have been very frustrating and have you know encouraged really bizarre ways of playing the game because you know you've got to do um you know you got to you got to kill a certain kind of mech let's say you know you'll th- throw up a uav yeah throw up a uav is is is, is actually pretty useful because it encourages people to put up a uav and that's fine unless the unless the people run straight in with a light put up the uav and then don't care if they die oh, yeah yeah <laughs> i mean you're always going to get people who are just in there to to, to knock off the objective and then they don't, don't really give a fuck about the outcome of the game and that's kind of hard to control for. But the one, if you remember, when you do you remember these ones? Whenever a new mech used to come out, the, the you know there was the event for the mech, and then there was also the challenge to kill that mech for everyone else. How frustrating is that? Like, for, you get your new mech, and then everyone's like, "He's over there," and they'll like just charge <laughs> you from a thousand meters away, like to try and kill you. And you like because at this. I'm sure that those um, challenges were out at the same time as there were the leaderboards, mm. you know, where you'd collect a certain amount of, you know, so you're trying to get as the people that had the new mechs were trying to get as high as they could on the leaderboards. Yeah. I remember it with the Javelin, actually, as high as they could on the leaderboards, and then everyone else is trying, <laughs> just just trying to kill them. them. Yeah, like you're, like you're some sort of pinata full of war horns. <laughs> 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 oh. To be fair, maybe that, maybe it's a good example of asymmetric balance. Mm. And I think, uh, like, yeah. So, so t- t- just to wrap up that point, I think PGI have got, a, you know, they've they've realised, you know, as they've gone along, this kind of event, you know, uh, will encourage this kind of undesirable behaviour. So perhaps we should just, you know, get people to do X, Y, and Z. And it can still be frustrating, and it can still have events that cause. Lumageddon's and things. I mean, any kind of event where you've got to get a certain amount of match score, um, or you know, obviously fire a certain amount of missiles or whatever. Um, you know, y- y- you'll see a ton of people out there in learn boats because it's yeah. you know an easy way to it, rack up a, a ton of match score, especially if you you know are a mid tier player. Um, but yeah, I think they've come a long way. Yeah, I mean, if we talk about um, a good example of eventing, um, I think the faction play events recently were uh, an example of, you know, encouraging the right behaviours, getting people into faction play. Um, I thought the rewards were really, really good. Mm. For the most part, they were good, yeah. For the most part, the events were good. Faction play conquest, hands down, I think that's the best mode. There's nothing I enjoy playing more than um, faction play conquest. But look, there's a couple of points that I'd make, and... The first one is the obvious one in that 
it's another context in which you need to understand the numbers that you're getting. So when you're running an event, um, when you're incentivizing certain behaviors, then the numbers that you will get will be reflective of the way those people are behaving. So mm. it's another, like teamwork, It would it's potentially another weighting that you would need to give um, the way certain weapon systems or the way certain players are um, performing. I guess... You know what I really want to emphasize around um, the incentives because there is so much to say around it is you know with maps and with modes um, and with teamwork and with events um, and the way that you get C bills even if they leave it in the current state I, I wouldn't have too much problem with that although I think that um, you know that, that they do need to have a critical look at um, what behaviors that they are trying to encourage from my point of view and how it's relevant to the balanced discussion is just that it does influence the way people behave and therefore the numbers that they might be getting around how certain things perform, um, you know, uh, need to take that into account. And you can get good, obviously you can get very, very good data when you start to control for factors um, like faction um, and IS versus IS, but it's just my sincere hope that um, under the hood and in the back end that when events are happening and you know when certain behaviors are being observed by PGI they are factoring that in um, as an environmental influence when they're making those uh, balanced decisions yeah you know if they're using the event system and the rewards to encourage certain behaviors to measure it well that's you know well and good but if they're if they're putting those events on and just including all that data in their lump sum you know, how does this mech play or how do, how are people playing this map or whatever, then that, that'll be, you know, really uh, extraneous data of sort of, what would you call that? Well, it's, it's potentially a, a third factor variable or, or something that's confounding. Um, but yeah, look, it's, you know, it's, as we said, we're, we're talking about um, environmental factors and they are, they are potential confounds. Um, they are potential third factors, um, that, that influence all this other thing that we've talked about. Um, it's, yeah, I mean, it's just an, another spinning plate um, when we're talking about the things to take into account um, with with uh, balance. But at least, and, and I guess probably what we're trying to get out get at as we build our way um, through these episodes with player skill, with mix, and now with the environment, is that these things are fundamental drivers of performance. They're fundamental influences in how um, what the output will be at the end of a game for how someone has performed. Um, and some of that will, of course, come down to how good the player is. Some of that will come down to the mech and the, the weapon systems and all that kind of stuff. And kind of as we've discussed, some of that will also come down to the environment that the player and the mech have been placed in. So, you know, it, it behooves um, PGI to make sure that they're taking that stuff into account, you know, when they're, when they're having to think about, yeah, how things are going. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. yeah, we really hope they're doing that. Right, so there's a lot that we've covered off uh, today, and uh, we do hope that you've enjoyed the conversation. What we would really like is if you did help us out, um, some recommendations out of this uh, from the community would be great. So please do um, uh, send some stuff to us. Yeah, yeah, man. It's the, the, we've had a few sort of open-ended questions there that, that we'd love your feedback on, like how, what sort of factors, uh, like what sort of metrics might PGI use to measure people's teamwork ability? Um, you know, whether they stay close to their teammates or whether they use VoIP or 
<laughs> or if they just simply press Q, um, <laughs> then uh, yeah. But if you've got some, if you've got some good ideas, we'd love to hear them. All right, thanks for the discussion, uh, Chairman Mao. That has been uh, really good. Look forward to um, hearing what the <laughs> what the community think. That's only my Liao persona. <laughs> <laughs> nice work, man. All right, GG. We'll uh, catch you all next time. Or seven Macquarius. Thank you for listening today. We hope you enjoyed the latest episode on balance, focusing on the game environment. If you did enjoy this content, then your support would be greatly appreciated, and you can support us in a multitude of ways. You can go to Patreon, Incoming Missile Podcast, and support us there. We have uh, three different tiers of support, or of course you can uh, donate one-off amounts, and any in-game content um, that you could denote to us would also be greatly appreciated we very much want to hear your feedback so be sure to reach out to us on our multitude of channels you can follow us on twitter at incoming p you can reach us via email at incoming missile podcast at gmail.com uh, and please subscribe to us on youtube that's incoming missile podcast so just a quick reminder to check out the mech register you can find the link to that google form at our twitter account and just remember you can fill that form out up to eight times each time you do fill it out is another entry to win so do get in there tell us what you think about the mechs that we are featuring uh, and allow us to collate that information into something useful uh, and you may just get a mech pack out of it we look forward to hearing from you we appreciate you listening and we'll catch you next time shutdown sequence initiated